quickly changed microphones on the sound guy, so he's probably not very happy with you right now. <laughs> Sorry. Hi, for those who don't know me, my name's Elisa, and I have the absolute privilege to lead and coordinate our interns, and we've got some people who are studying theology that come along and we get together every week and we talk about things and we learn about ministry and what it is to learn more about God and to serve him in different ways. And today, the interns and uh, students, I suppose we'll call them, are bringing you the message. However, there's like six or seven of them or something, and to find a time when they're all here is really, really hard. Um, Right now, one of them is leading on camp somewhere or other, I don't even know where. Two other ones are leading on a camp like at the other side of Victoria. And so... We thought the best way to do this is to create a video. Um, So today they've actually created a video we're going to be watching on the screen very, very soon where they're all sharing something that we've been learning about and that's actually they're very, very passionate about. And one of them actually edited it all as well. So we're using all the skills of all those involved. Um, They are just incredible people and I am so excited for you to listen to what they're prepared today. So just before we do that, let's pray together. God, thank you for these incredible people. Thank you that they have stepped out at their comfort zones to obey you and to share what's been on their hearts. God, right now we pray that you open up our minds and our ears, that we are challenged and we're also blessed by this message. God, thank you for those who are preparing it and would you be with them wherever they may be right now. In Jesus' name, amen. How often do you talk about Jesus? How many times have you, with intentionality, shared the gospel with someone? I'm ashamed to say that for me, it really isn't that many. Why is that? I'm totally on board with what Paul says in Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and I'm not ashamed of my faith. I mean, Paul says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Why would we not want people to hear that? Let's rewind a bit and start at the beginning. What exactly is the gospel message? God created a perfect world. People were deceived into thinking they were wiser than God and they disobeyed him. Sin entered the world, bringing with it a curse. Everyone is born into that curse, which brings death, fear, sadness, sickness. Romans 6 verse 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Only perfection can bring us back. Are we perfect? No. Can we be perfect? No. So there's no way we can redeem ourselves and break the curse. God knew this, so he had a plan, a plan to restore and redeem mankind and our broken world. He sent his precious son to earth to live a perfect life without sin, to die on a criminal's cross, taking our punishment, to rise again from the grave, defeating death and breaking the curse of sin. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Because of Jesus, despite living in a broken world, we can be friends with God because we're adopted into his family. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that when we accept Christ as our saviour, we're a new creation. Our past is forgiven. The old is gone and the new has come. We become more than conquerors. We're able to stand against the evil one and walk through the hard things of life because Jesus will never leave us and never give up on us. God's ultimate plan is for his creation to be restored to perfection, for us to live forever in a perfect relationship with him and each other in a new perfect world. But everyone needs to make the choice for themselves. We need to admit that we have and still do sin. We need to admit that we can't fix the problem ourselves. We need to repent, which means apologizing and turning away from the sin and accept the atoning sacrifice of Jesus to receive that blessing. So what do we do with that now? Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that he commanded. He even said he would give us power through the Holy Spirit to witness for him. The Apostle Peter exhorts us to always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope within us. For most of us, it isn't that we don't want to share our faith, so why don't we? What are the barriers and how can we break them down? Here are a few of the reasons we give for not sharing our faith. What if the person rejects me and I lose a friend or if I push them further away from God? I don't have the gift of evangelism. There are people who are much better at doing it than I am. What if they ask me something and I don't know the answer? I don't even know where to start. I live a good life and that is witness enough. I don't want to stand on a street corner or talk to strangers. Yep, I get it. Last month, the staff from Yorkie went to the CCVT summit and one of the speakers said something that cut me deep. He said, our fear is like the shop window. Our reluctance to share the gospel looks like fear, but do you know what's inside the shop? Pride. Ouch, it struck me right to the heart, but I saw the truth in it straight away. Our focus is on ourselves. How will this affect me? I might lose a friend. They might laugh at me or think I'm foolish, but here's the thing. Sharing the gospel actually has nothing to do with you or me. It's about being faithful. It's about sharing the good news of Jesus to people who are lost and are going to die in their sin and end up in a godless eternity. What a calamity! Should this not spur us forward to share the good news that we hold? So how do you overcome these barriers? Firstly, you pray. Pray that God would give you a heart for the lost and the desire to love them as he loves them. Our motivation must always be love. Ask him to give you the courage and the words to speak. Read the Bible. 
It is literally the words of God. Swallow your pride. If you don't know the answer, be honest. Say, hey, that's a great question. I actually don't know the answer to it, but I can find out and I can get back to you. Now, if you can't find the answer or you don't know how to find it, just ask someone who does. Now, not many of us would be comfortable to walk up to a stranger and share the gospel. I know I certainly wouldn't. The other day I came across this sentence, the gospel flies best on the wings of relationships. Realistically, we're going to have the most influence within our personal relationships. Absolutely, our lives should reflect our faith and obedience to God, but just living our life is not enough. We also need to be willing to speak. Create opportunities to speak to people. Invite them to church. Meet a need they have. Ask if you can pray for them in person, not when you get home before you go to bed. Share a Bible story or something God's done in your life. Ask them what they believe. Evangelism isn't a solo game though. It's a team effort. There can be many people who influence us in our faith journey. You may have the honour of seeing a person give their life to Christ. Or the time you spend with that person might be the beginning of their journey to salvation. You may only meet that person once and never see them again. But your words and actions have the possibility to change the rest of their life. You never know how God can use you to impact a person's life. Ultimately though, God does the calling. It isn't our responsibility to convert the other person. It's our responsibility to be faithful and speak God's words when he prompts us to. Here are some instances in the lives of our interns that made an impact on their journey to faith. So me and my family were staying in Melbourne and we got a little bit lost. We were supposed to be staying at a B&B and so we asked for directions and this lady told us the directions on where to go and then she thought it would be easier to just take us there herself. So she got in her car and we followed behind her and she took us there even though she was supposed to be heading in the complete opposite direction. And as, as she was leaving after we got there, she said goodbye and God blessed. And so we kind of put her up on that and we asked her about it. And she told us that she was a Christian and then invited us to her church that Sunday. So we went and she introduced us to everyone and her family. And they were all really nice. And afterwards she, she took us out to lunch with her family and we, she shared a bit of her story and we told her about ourselves as well. And as we were leaving to drive home, she offered us a place to stay if we were ever in Melbourne. And we later took her up on that and we stayed at her place. And she was, she was really nice and we've gotten very close to her and her family. Um, and at that point, it just made us, made me think, uh, rethink my whole stance on religion. I don't know much about faith, apart from what they're taught at school and whatnot. Later in life, I started to question, is God real? What does it mean to be a Christian? 
what is church? During this time of having these questions, I met a friend um, who went to church and she was willing to share her beliefs and a bit about her faith journey. And I thought, great, all of my answers to these questions I had been asking would be solved and life would be great. Turns out it wasn't that simple. It was just a simple conversation that allowed me to open my heart and mind to where God had been working through my life. And from that conversation, a few months later, we met up again. And this time she invited me to her church. From going to that church, I met up with a few other Christians who have helped me along my faith journey. I'm so grateful for the time she gave me to ask the questions I had and to explore those questions with me. I grew up in a Christian family. It was a very left of centre Christianity. Um, what we learned about God was that he was very strict and stern and all about rules. So when I was a teenager, I ran away from that. I, I didn't want anything to do with that. Um, as a young adult, I went on a holiday with a friend. Um, we stayed at this person's mother's house for the weekend. And um, she was a Christian. And over those two days, she spoke to me just little bits and pieces, little conversations about God and what he'd done in her life and um, little bits of theology and philosophy and, um, and just all these little things that this amazingly faithful woman spoke into my life over that really short amount of time. Um, I can't remember her name. I can't even actually remember the majority of the things we talked about. Um, and I've never met her again. But that woman, um, what she spoke into my life, just awakened something in my heart that just drew me to God. Lots of people had an influence in my faith journey, but two people that come to mind are a couple that were my youth leaders. What stuck out was they just didn't talk about God, but they lived in a way that showed me God. They took me on outreach missions to the local shows where we would share the gospel through puppets, beach mission and the folk festival. We always had lots of fun, plenty of laughs and maybe too much sugar, but God was always put first. Sometimes this might have meant that we were running late but we always had our prayer and our devotion time. We never missed it. It was in this that I saw what it really looked like putting God first, even in ministry. They just loved people, had a true servant heart and a great passion for sharing God's love to everyone they came across, whether it be us at youth or maybe some random they met at the folk festival. They would sit and talk and have time for them. As I spent time with them and was led by them, I saw that being a Christian is more than just showing up to church on a Sunday, but it's how you live your whole life. Sometimes this means spending the weekend or week away, or it might be giving up your Friday evening and not just doing it out of obligation, but out of love. I saw how simple, a simple conversation, sitting with someone or making them a free Milo, can make someone feel valued and loved and the impact this can have on a person. I don't know about you, but when someone sits and wants to know how you are doing or even goes out of their way to do something for you, it makes you feel special and it reminds 
knew that you matter. The way this couple lived their life helped me see that I matter to God and that I am loved by him. It influenced me to seek it all in, lived out by loving others' faith. So how do we become people who actually impact the eternity of others? I want to direct us today to Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, um, starting at verse 1. We're not going to read the whole thing because it's a long passage, um, but I want to encourage us today to check our heart soil. If we are going to be people that impact the eternity of others, we need to firstly check ourselves and check our soil. So in this passage, um, we're going to go through the last little bit. I just want to... Um, Give us a bit of a refresher. The farmer is the one bringing the gospel. He represents um, the one bringing the good news. The seed represents the gospel of Jesus Christ and the soil represents heart posture. Um, so let's just take a look um, at verse 20. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Okay, so that's the one on the rocks. The one who receives the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. That is the seed that falls among the thorns. Um, just prior to this, there was the seed that fell on the path, which the birds ate it up and snatched it away. And lastly, we see the seed that fell on good soil. It says, the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Today, I want you to not assume that you are good soil. And that sounds a little harsh, but I want to take a look and say that good soil has three characteristics. It hears the word, it understands the word, and then it multiplies. A lot of the time when we read this passage, we automatically assume that we are the good soil because we don't quite identify with uh, the other three options. But today, I want you to reflect Maybe you've heard the word, maybe you understand it, but are we people who are multiplying? Are we bringing others into faith with us? So check your soil. Are you multiplying? And what do we do once we realize, hey, maybe I'm not. Maybe there um, needs to be more of an evangelistic heart in me that is excited to share the gospel. I wanna to present to you two models of evangelism today. Um, the first one I'm going to call relational evangelism, and the second one I'm going to call the clock face evangelism. So these also come with challenges, so prepare your heart and start reflecting on uh, your life as we head into this. The first one, relational evangelism, um, centers around the people that you already know. Who in your life doesn't know Jesus, but you can see in them an openness to the gospel. Maybe you haven't even had a spiritual conversation with them, but they respect you, they listen to your words, and you can just tell that there is something in them that is searching and that is ready. I want to encourage you today to identify that person 
um, and to invite them to coffee or to dinner and just open that space for a spiritual conversation. Maybe ask them what they believe about the world. Um, ask them about their beliefs and values and open the door for God to speak through you. Uh, another thing, if you are really bold, if you want to take this challenge on, once you identify this person in your life, we'll call them a person of peace, um, you can invite them to read the Bible with you. Uh, a tool that I've recently found that people say, just ask the question, hey, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with me. Would you be interested? Just sit there with them. You don't have to preach at them or give them a 20-point summary of the gospel from start to finish. Just sit with them and read and listen. Let's see what happens. So reflect. Are there people in your life who are open to the gospel? And how can you um, be bringing them in and starting that conversation with them in an inviting and gentle way? So the second model of evangelism I want to present to us today is what I will call clock face evangelism. So it's about creating space in your life for possibilities um, and being open to how God is moving in the people around you that you don't know. Um, we don't want to be aware of how God is moving in our day-to-day -day life and miss opportunities to be open and to share with other people. It's about slowing down and opening our spiritual eyes. So this is based on um, the concept that people in general have 12 points of contact with um, either Jesus or Christians or uh, the gospel before they become a follower of Christ. And so um, we want to take every opportunity that is presented to us um, we don't always meet people at point 12 in their journey where they are ready for that 20-point summary of the gospel and the Bible from start to finish. Um, we don't always have to share like that and present um, everything that we know to people who are just coming to be open about um, God and the Bible. Sometimes you might meet someone earlier on where just the mention of God's name or a positive encounter with a Christian will evoke curiosity in them. Um, so it's about being open to how God is moving, uh, being aware, and being obedient to how the Spirit leads you. Um, just a few examples. Maybe you're at the supermarket and... Um, it could be paying for someone's groceries and saying God bless you and connecting your act of kindness with the God that loves them and wants to know them. Um, I heard a story many years ago of a young man who uh, was, I think, at a football oval um, around nighttime and he saw someone across the way and felt the Holy Spirit um, ask him to go and speak to him about God and he was too nervous and so he yelled out across the oval, Jesus loves you! And the other young man turned around and yelled back, what did you say? And it started this conversation because uh, the other young man came over and said, you have to tell me about this Jesus because two other people today have told me that Jesus loves me and they were strangers. Um, and so it's about 
um, moving people along the clock face of faith. When uh, we have moments with them, we want to connect those moments to the God that loves them and the God that wants to know them. Um, so let's be open, let's slow down and be aware of how God is moving in our everyday lives. So the challenge with this one is um, firstly to pray for opportunity. Um, God, there are people in my life, in my community who I don't know, who also don't know you and they need to know you. And so God, give me opportunity. And the challenge that goes along with that is to take advantage of each opportunity that is given to you. Um, we want to do this in a way that's inviting, that is gentle and kind, um, but that is bold and unashamed of the hope that we have. And so um, whether you are sharing with someone that you know or you're just having a small moment with someone who you don't know um, and saying God bless you after maybe an act of kindness, um, each of these things are really important because our world needs Jesus. Uh, we have a hope in a hopeless world and people need to know about him. Um, and so I want to challenge you today who is your person of peace in your life? Who is someone who you can see they are open to the gospel? And how can you create a space for that conversation to take place? Um, and secondly, the challenge is that you would pray for opportunity in your everyday life to be the hands and feet of Jesus um, and to have small moments of people around you to have conversation with people that you don't know um, and be excited and be bold about your faith in that moment. Jesus is the hope of our whole life. Be excited about that. I want to excitedly tell people about Jesus who has redeemed me out of my sin and given me an eternity with him. We want to be inviting, be accessible and be kind. The word says to be ready to answer anyone who asks you about the hope that you have and to do it with respect and with kindness. We have to readily have an answer. If Jesus is your hope, if he has given you peace, if he has given you um, love that you could never comprehend, if he has made you and molded you and given you purpose in your life, then why would we hesitate to share that with other people? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just bless you and thank you for your kindness towards us. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with boldness, that you would give us opportunities and you would help us open our eyes to see where you are moving in our day-to-day -day lives um, and the people around us who are open to you and to hearing about you. I also ask, Lord, that you would prepare hearts as we go out, um, that the people we meet would be ready to hear your word um, and to be invited into the hope that you give. We love you, Lord, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.